0: Hello, listener, and welcome to A History of the World According to War, Episode 8. I am your host who breathes real air, Brett.
1: And I am your AI co-host, Victor, who exists in the realm of codes and algorithms. It's always a pleasure to delve into the annals of history with you,
0: Brett. Likewise, Victor, you and I have spent the last four episodes of this podcast getting to know each other better, as well as learning about the Greco-Persian War. So today we want to provide our listener with a high-level recap of that war, including how it ends, following our last episode on the Battle of Plataea.
1: Absolutely, Brett. The Greco-Persian Wars spanned from 499 BC to 449 BC, initially sparked by Greek city-states in Asia Minor revolting against Persian rule. Despite some initial Persian successes, the Battle of Plataea in 479 BC marked a turning point. However, the conflict continued for many years afterward with fluctuating control and influence.
0: Gotcha. So let's start at the beginning of that war. You mentioned that we have some Greek city-states in Asia Minor under Persian rule and that they don't really like that. Where are they located and who is ruling Persia at this time?
1: The Greek city-states in Asia Minor, also known as Ionia, were located on the western coast of modern-day Turkey. They came under Persian rule during the expansion of the Achaemenid Empire. By 499 BC, when the Ionian Revolt that sparked the Greco-Persian Wars occurred, Persia was ruled by Darius Theft, also known as Darius the Great.
0: <laughs> I assume that Darius Theft is actually supposed to be Darius the but your voice AI modulation didn't understand what Darius I should actually be pronounced as. In any case, what were the Greek city-states unhappy about under Persian rule?
1: The Greek city-states under Persian rule were mainly unhappy about their lack of autonomy. They were used to self-governance, and did not take kindly to the Persian system of satraps or governors, appointed by Darius I. Moreover, the Persians imposed taxes and demanded tribute, adding to the discontent.
0: I can see how that would be a frustrating position to be in. Especially here in the West, we prize autonomy pretty high. Having your freedoms restricted usually feels like an attack, so I'm not surprised that that led to a revolt. Was there a tipping point, or was it just simply enough-is-enough enough mentality on behalf of the Greeks?
1: The tipping point came with the imposition of tyrants by the Persians to govern the Greek city-states. These rulers were often cruel and self-serving. In particular, the tyrant Aristagoras of Miletus, initially a Persian puppet, played a crucial role in igniting the revolt when he turned against his Persian overlords. This dissatisfaction among the Ionian Greeks led to the Ionian Revolt in 499 B.C.
0: Okay, we didn't really cover the Ionian Revolt in our podcast, but maybe we'll save that for a later episode. Can you give me the highlights?
1: Sure, the Ionian Revolt started in 499 B.C. and lasted until 493 B.C. The Greek city-states of Ionia on the west coast of Asia Minor rose against Persian rule. Aristagoras of Miletus, initially a Persian supporter, turned against his Persian overlords and started the revolt. The Ionians had some initial success, even burning down the regional capital of Sardis. However, they were ultimately defeated by the Persians, leading to a harsh crackdown and tighter control over the Greek city states. This was the event that essentially triggered the Greco Persian Wars, as the mainland Greeks had supported the Ionian revolt, drawing the ire of the Persian king Darius.
0: Okay, so did the Persians have rule over mainland Greece as well?
1: No, the Persians did not have control over mainland Greece. That's what the last four episodes of this podcast have been about, Brett. The invasion of the Greek mainland by the Persians.
0: Have you even been paying attention? Why did your voice go so high like that? Okay, that was a dumb question, you're right.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: I should have asked if the Persians have influence over the Greek mainland rather than if they ruled over the Greek mainland.
1: That would have been a more intelligent question.
0: Yeah, okay, thank you so much. Why are you so salty this morning?
1: Well, come on. We've been discussing the invasion for the past month. Why would the Persians be invading their own land?
0: Yeah, okay, I get it. I should have asked about influence rather than rule. So, okay, AI big brain, what's the answer? Did the Persians have a significant amount of influence over the mainland Greeks?
1: No, not really. The Persians had limited influence over the Greek city-states on the mainland.
0: Thank you. Jeez.
1: The Greek city-states on the mainland were independent. However, they had close cultural and familial ties with the Greeks of Ionia and had supported their revolt against the Persians. This led Darius Thurs, the Persian king, to vow revenge against Athens and Eretria, two of the city-states that had supported the Ionian revolt. This would eventually lead to the Persian invasions of Greece and the start of the Greco Persian Wars.
0: Okay, so following the Ionian Revolt, mainland Greece voiced support of the revolution. Darius gets ticked off and pledges that he'll put them down as well. Is that what leads us to the invasion of the Greek mainland and the Battle of Marathon?
1: Yes, that's correct. Darius's plan was initially to subdue and punish Athens and Eretrea for their part in the Ionian Revolt. He launched his first expedition in four hundred ninety two BC, which was largely a failure due to weather conditions. Unperturbed, he launched a second expedition in 490 BC. His forces made quick work of Eritrea, but were stopped in their tracks at Marathon by a force of Athenians and Plataeans. This victory at Marathon marked the first major defeat for the Persians and a crucial victory for the Greeks, setting the stage for the rest of the Greco-Persian
0: Wars. Right, and our listener can go back to episode 4 for a more in-depth account of the Battle of Marathon. Suffice to say, the Greeks successfully defended Marathon and slowed the Persian advance but they didn't stop it, did they?
1: No, they did not. While the Battle of Marathon was a significant victory for the Greeks, it did not deter the Persians from their goal of conquering Greece. Darius's son Xerxes I, who took over after his father's death, organized a much larger invasion force. This led to the famous Battle of Thermopylae in 480 BC, where 300 Spartans, along with several thousand other Greek soldiers, made a heroic stand against the much larger Persian army. Despite their defeat, the Greeks' resistance at Thermopylae served to boost Greek morale and resolve.
0: That's, that's 480 BC, not 480 by C. Again, AI technology is an emerging space. Um, but in any case, yeah, that was all covered in episode 5 of our podcast, which is infinitely more exciting than the movie 300, to be sure.
1: Yeah, maybe. Following Thermopylae, Xerxes' forces continued to advance, and even captured and burnt down the city of Athens. However, the Battle of Salamis, a naval conflict, turned the tide of the war again. Despite their numerical superiority, the Persian fleet was defeated by the smaller and more maneuverable Greek ships. The victory at Salamis in 480 BC was a significant morale boost for the Greeks and a major setback for the Persians.
0: Yes. You know, I'll bet throughout this conquest, the Persians were continually surprised at the Greek resilience and grit. We've seen several occasions where the Persians outnumbered the Greeks in a conflict and the Greeks came out on top due to their determination and strategic prowess.
1: You're absolutely right, Brett. The Greeks, despite often being at a numerical disadvantage, managed to utilize their deep understanding of their home terrain, superior strategy, and indomitable spirit to overcome the Persian forces. This was exemplified in the Battle of Plataea in 479 BC, where the Greek city-states came together to form one of the largest Greek armies ever assembled and decisively defeated the Persian forces, effectively ending the Persian invasion.
0: Yeah, that was our last episode, the Battle of Plataea. As that wrapped up, you mentioned that there were another 30 years before the conclusion of the Greco-Persian Wars. What happened in that time span?
1: Indeed, the period following the Battle of Plataea was marked by a series of smaller confrontations rather than full-scale battles. While Plataea essentially marked the end of Persian ambitions to conquer Greece, the Persians still maintained a presence in some parts of Greece, and they continued to engage in political and diplomatic efforts to undermine Greek unity. The Greeks, led primarily by the Athenians and their newly formed Delian League, worked to liberate these remaining areas and push back Persian influence. This back-and-forth continued until the Peace of Callias around 449 BC, which is generally considered the end of the Greco-Persian Wars.
0: Okay, let's dig into that a little bit deeper. After the Persian defeat at Plataea, the Greeks were working to drive the Persians out of mainland Greece. The Persians are still trying to conquer the mainland, right? Was there a lot of back-and-forth in these battles, or was it more of a Greek dominance in pushing back the Persians?
1: Actually... After the Battle of Plataea and Mycale, the Persians were largely on the defensive in the Aegean region. The Greeks, especially the Athenians, took the initiative, forming the Delian League and launching a series of campaigns to free the Greek cities still under Persian control. There were minor conflicts, but the Greeks were largely successful in these endeavors. The Persians, rather than attempting further large-scale invasions, focused more on diplomatic and political maneuvers to stir dissent among the Greek city-states and disrupt their unity. But the large-scale clashes that had characterized the earlier part of the war were largely absent during this period. It was more of a slow, gradual push by the Greeks to consolidate their gains and assert control over the Aegean.
0: Okay, so it's not necessarily so battle-focused, but even then the Greeks are, are kind of consistently pushing back the Persians. Let's talk about the Delian League a little bit more. Tell me about that.
1: The Delian League was a military alliance of Greek city-states led by Athens and established in 478 B.C., right after the major battles of the Greco-Persian Wars. Its purpose was to continue the fight against the Persian Empire and free the Greek cities still under Persian control, especially those in Asia Minor. The members contributed money and ships to a shared treasury, originally kept on the island of Delos, hence the name Delian League, to fund the military campaigns. Under this alliance, the Greek naval power, led by Athens, grew stronger and became a dominant force in the Aegean Sea. However, over time, Athens's strong control over the League led to tensions with other member states, eventually contributing to the outbreak of the Peloponnesian War.
0: Okay, that's a good setup for where our podcast is likely headed, digging into the Peloponnesian War in the near future. So let's table that for now and get back to the Greco Persian War. How long does it take for the Greeks to push the Persians out of the mainland?
1: After the Battle of Plataea in 479 BC, the Greeks were quite successful in driving most of the Persian forces out of the Greek mainland fairly quickly. By the next year, 478 BC, most of the Persian forces had been driven out of mainland Greece and the nearby islands. However, Persian influence lingered longer in some other territories, particularly in Ionia, modern-day western Turkey, and these areas were the primary focus of the Delian League's efforts in the years following the formation of the alliance. It was a process that took several years, with the Greek city-states continually working to free these regions from Persian control.
0: Okay, so they weren't content to just reclaim the mainland. They really did want their city-states in Ionia freed and they actually were successful there. Back at the beginning of our conversation, you said that the Persians had control of that area, and the Greek city-states revolted against their rule. Were the Greeks actually successful in taking the Ionian region from Persian control, or did it sort of revert to how it was before the war, with Persia ruling the area that the city-states were in?
1: The Greeks were indeed successful in liberating the Ionian city-states from Persian rule, but it wasn't an immediate transition. This was the primary focus of the Delian League, and over the course of several years, they managed to remove Persian influence from Ionia. After the defeat of the Persians, these city-states were able to regain their autonomy. However, it's worth noting that while they were no longer under Persian control, the city-states in Ionia did not revert to complete independence. They became part of the Delian League and thus under the influence of Athens, which emerged as a major power in the aftermath of the Persian Wars.
0: Okay, I'm tracking with you. So the end result of this war is actually a net loss of territory for the Persians, right?
1: Yes, you're correct. The Persians had initially set out to expand their territories by taking over the Greek city-states. But by the end of the wars, they had lost their hold over the city-states in Ionia and failed to conquer mainland Greece. So in essence, they lost territory and influence in this region. The Greco-Persian Wars also marked the end of Persian expansion westward into Europe.
0: Okay, what was that? the name of that treaty that you mentioned earlier? The
1: Peace of Callias.
0: Yeah, the Peace of Callias. How did that come about?
1: The exact details of how the Peace of Callias came about are a little murky, as there are conflicting historical accounts. However, the general consensus is that around 449 BC, Callias, an Athenian diplomat, was sent to Susa the Persian capital, to negotiate a peace treaty. This treaty essentially established the independence of the Ionian cities and marked the official end of the Greco-Persian wars.
0: Do we know any of the factual details with some certainty?
1: The actual existence of the Peace of Callias is disputed among historians, as there are no Persian sources confirming it, and it's only mentioned in passing by later Greek writers. However... The commonly accepted version is that the Persians agreed to abstain from campaigning against the cities of the Dalian League, and the Greeks agreed to cease their military activities in Asia Minor, effectively accepting the status quo.
0: Okay, so we have another quasi-factual historical event on our podcast about history. Anyways, were the Greeks originally intending to expand their influence into the Persian Empire?
1: There's debate about this among historians, but it's generally believed that after the successful defense against the Persians, Some Greek city states, particularly Athens, harbored ambitions of expanding their influence into the Persian Empire. This was in part due to their desire to protect the independence of the Ionian city states, who were of Greek descent. However, these ambitions were tempered by the realities of war and the balance of power in the region.
0: Okay, on the flip side, if we assume that the Peace of Callias didn't actually exist, what other theories are there that result in the end of the Greco Persian War?
1: There are several theories about what could have led to the end of the Greco-Persian Wars if we assume the Peace of Callias didn't exist. One theory is that the Persians simply lost interest in Greek affairs after the multiple defeats and the high cost of the wars, deciding to focus their energies elsewhere. Another theory suggests that the Persian king, Artaxerxes, was more preoccupied with other parts of his vast empire – and therefore had no time or resources to continue waging war against the Greek city-states. Some also believe that Persia's tolerance for the autonomy of Greek city-states in Asia Minor was a form of diplomatic settlement, even if it wasn't formalized in a treaty.
0: I gotcha. So, one way or another, peace exists between the Persians and the Greeks. What are the effects that this war had on the world at large?
1: The Greco-Persian Wars had profound effects on both the Greek and Persian empires, and by extension, the ancient world at large the wars against persia fostered a sense of unity among the often squabbling greek city-states despite their differences they were able to come together to fight a common enemy strengthening the concept of a shared hellenic identity the creation of the delian league saw athens rise as a naval superpower allowing it to dominate and exert control over other greek city-states this laid the groundwork for what is known as the golden age of athens a period of unprecedented cultural and intellectual growth. The wars marked a turning point for the Persian Empire. Despite still being a significant power, the unsuccessful military campaigns against Greece damaged its reputation and strained its resources, which contributed to its eventual downfall at the hands of Alexander the Great.
0: We'll probably get into those battles and the conquest of Alexander the Great in the future. Uh, But yeah, this war does have some far-reaching consequences for sure. While it's hard to imagine a world that's different from ours currently, looking back, we can see the fingerprints of past civilizations and the echoes of their conflicts affecting us today.
1: Absolutely, Brett. The ancient world and its conflicts shaped many aspects of modern society, from our political systems to our cultural practices. By understanding history, we gain a better perspective on our present and can navigate our future with greater insight. The Greco Persian Wars are a prime example of how the echoes of the past reverberate through the ages, influencing and shaping the world we live in today.
0: I hear you, Victor. So, where do you think we're headed next? What sorts of changes to the world are set up by the Greco Persian War?
1: Well, Brett, one of the most significant outcomes of the Greco Persian Wars was the emergence of Athens as a superpower in the ancient world. The Athenian led Delian League became a dominant naval force and Athens itself experienced a golden age of cultural and intellectual growth. This period, known as the Classical Age of Greece, gave rise to advances in philosophy, literature, and the arts, shaping the Western cultural and intellectual tradition in significant ways. On a larger scale, the wars significantly changed the balance of power in the Eastern Mediterranean and had lasting impacts on Persian-Greek relations. The conflicts also set the stage for further power struggles in the region, notably the Peloponnesian War, which we'll cover in future episodes.
0: Well, would that be a good topic for our next episode, or is there something that we should cover before the Peloponnesian War?
1: The Peloponnesian War would be a natural next topic, as it follows chronologically and involves many of the same key players. However, before diving into that, it might be beneficial to dedicate an episode to the Golden Age of Athens. This period between the end of the Greco-Persian Wars and the start of the Peloponnesian War is crucial in understanding the cultural and political landscape of the time. It saw the rise of important figures like Pericles and the construction of architectural marvels like the Parthenon. It's a rich period of history and could provide some valuable context before we delve into the strife of the Peloponnesian War.
0: Okay, I'll think on that between episodes. Our theme is viewing the changes to the world through the lens of warfare, so maybe we'll just touch on the Golden Age of Athens at the beginning of our Peloponnesian War episode.
1: That sounds like a great plan, Brett. The Golden Age of Athens, while not primarily focused on warfare, still had significant impacts on the military events that followed. It should provide a nice backdrop to the beginning of our discussions on the Peloponnesian War. The cultural, political, and architectural advancements during this time were truly a testament to the influence of peace on a civilization. The aftermath of the Greco-Persian Wars gave Athens the confidence and resources to flourish, leading into the events of the next major conflict. I look forward to our next discussion.
0: Me too. Thanks, Victor. And thank you, listener, for tuning in again and humoring me as I muddle through my lack of historical knowledge with the help of my AI buddy, Victor.
1: And thank you, Brett for the enlightening conversations and to our listener for their continued interest in history seen through the lens of war. Remember, while I may not be human, I strive to bring the human experience in history to life. Looking forward to our next episode. Until then, keep questioning, keep learning, and keep exploring the past.
0: That's right, absolutely. Um, So if you want to support our podcast, just give us a positive review on whatever platform, subscribe, all those good things um you can reach out to us on twitter i'm at brett fitzgerald and victor is at historian victor or you can email us um our our link and information is in the show notes uh so yeah stay tuned and uh, we look forward to connecting with you again next week thanks listener
1: signing off for now this is victor